It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse's pinstripe bowl matchup with Minnesota and a rivalry win over Georgetown. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is our great friend from ESPN.com, Andrea Adelson. Andrea, always enjoy speaking with you in December because that means that Syracuse football is in a bowl game. How are you today? I am great. How are you? Andrea, doing well. We'll get you started on this one. Back in August, we spoke on this very podcast, and you were one of the few national reporters willing to go out on a limb and predict that Syracuse was going to a bowl game in 2022. So first off, take your victory lap for that. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, Woohoo! <laughs> and second, looking back on how Syracuse got to that bowl eligibility, did their season surprise you? Well, it was an interesting season, right? Because I think the 6-0 and start was certainly surprising to a lot of people, myself included. When I projected the bowl, I did not anticipate Syracuse opening the season the way that they did with that win over Louisville. And I think that sort of set the table for the first half of the season. And then the way the second half of the season went was a little bit surprising because suddenly the expectations are ratcheted up. But uh, nonetheless, the fact that this team made it to a bowl game uh, is certainly something to build off of because we all know that Dino Babers entered the season on the hot seat and there were questions about his future because there hadn't been a bowl trip over the last several seasons. So making it to this point, uh, I think, is great in terms of momentum uh, and building forward uh, and looking forward to the future. Andrea, last week, Syracuse lost both of its coordinators. Tony White will take over as defensive coordinator at Nebraska. Robert and I moving to NC State to be the OC. Syracuse announcing Jason Beck will be Syracuse's new offensive coordinator. How big of a loss is Tony White, and what do you think of the promotion of Jason Beck? I do think it's a big loss because Tony White has done a terrific job building up that Syracuse defense when you look at particularly uh, the way that the linebackers have played, the back end has played. I know the defensive front was young this year, but uh, the talent and the development that he has been able to provide over the last uh, three years while he's been there uh, has made Syracuse, I think that a lot of people respected on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, every time they played well on defense, everyone was always giving credit to Tony White uh, I'm not super surprised, though, that Dino has decided to promote Jason Beck to offensive coordinator. With Garrett Schrader announcing that he wants to come back to Syracuse, this makes a lot of sense to me because Jason Beck has a really good relationship with Garrett Schrader. And I also think that this will allow Dino maybe a little bit more input into what the event is going to look like. I was a little disappointed that there were times this year that Syracuse moved away from running the ball with Sean Tucker, the, what had made them so good the previous year with Sean Tucker. And I'm not necessarily sure that one of the strengths of what Robert and I likes to do on offense, running the ball with the running back. I know that was one of the criticisms that he had during his time at Virginia. So in my view, I think promoting somebody who works well with Garrett Schrader, who can utilize his strengths, but maybe also going back to the principles with the run game, with being better run blockers, with utilizing whoever the running back is going to be, whether Sean Tucker comes back or not, 
uh, to me, I think is very positive for Syracuse moving forward. Andrew, let's move to the ACC coaching carousel at large. Jeff Brom is coming back to Louisville. Brent Pry is taking over at Georgia Tech. Who is the more impactful hire of the two? Certainly Jeff Brom, because this has been, what, five years in the making for Louisville. Uh, This is who Louisville wanted to hire back in 2018, and he told them no. So they hired Scott Satterfield, and over the last few years, you just kind of felt that at some point it was going to be time for Louisville and and Scott Satterfield to move on from each other. And so when that happened, when Scott Satterfield decided he was going to go to Cincinnati, it was an absolute no-brainer that that's who Louisville was going to go after. Jeff Brom is from Louisville. He played at Louisville. Um, He's got deep ties to Louisville, previously had served on staff. And so when you look at the job that he did at Purdue, uh, getting that program to play for a Big Ten championship this year, obviously his deep understanding and knowledge of that program, what it's going to take to be able to recruit and win there. I think the type of offense that they like to play meshes very well with what Louisville likes to do. This, to me, was a great fit uh, and is something that I know everybody in Louisville has been dreaming about for quite some time. So you elevates the head coach uh, position Uh, to somebody who has the experience in the Big Ten, who played at Louisville, who knows what it takes to win there, and can potentially get Louisville to playing for championships in the ACC. Andrea, this is a conversation we're going to have every year in December now, but there are hundreds of players who've entered the transfer portal around college football. What are some of the most interesting names you've seen in the ACC? The day that the portal opened, when you look at uh, DJ Uyunglele from Clemson, which I think we all anticipated after the season that he had. Devin Leary at NC State, I think, was surprising to some folks because he had the opportunity to come back after he got hurt, and maybe it's just best for everybody for him to move on. I know NC State has a couple of young quarterbacks that they're really excited about. Uh, so you have him. You have Phil Dracovic, who's already announced uh, he's going to go from Boston College to Pittsburgh and reunite with his uh, former offensive coordinator at BC and uh, Frank Signetti. Brennan Armstrong from Virginia uh, is in the transfer portal. Um, so really, uh, the quarterback names have been the most intriguing. I don't necessarily think that a lot of them are a huge surprise, uh, considering where they were on the roster uh, and uh, what they're trying to look to do moving forward. And Andrew, I'll get you out of here on this one. Do you like the matchups the ACC has for bowl season? And can we get a prediction for Syracuse against Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl? I do like the ACC bowl matchups for this year. I think there are a lot of uh, winnable games, to be honest. Uh, when you look up and down um, uh, what the matchups are and uh, I think who is uh, favorited uh, by the folks in Las Vegas, This is a tough one uh, because initially I was leaning Minnesota uh, in this game, quite honestly. I just didn't like the way that Syracuse finished the season. Uh, But then I look at some of the things they did in the second half against Boston College and just knowing what the potential is for this offense, the fact that guys are going to be playing. I haven't seen a lot of opt-outs. Uh, for Syracuse headed into this game. So uh, I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go with Syracuse uh, to put a little bit of a cherry on top of what has been a, a good season, have them ended off with a great season and maybe carry over uh, into 2023. 
Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the program. Again, one of our favorite guests to have on the program, ESPN.com's Andrea Adelson. Andrea, great stuff as always. Enjoy the college football postseason. We'll catch up with you soon. Of course. Always enjoy speaking with Andrew, who's been a guest of our program for over a decade now. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse defeated longtime rival Georgetown on Saturday, 83-64. to They were down 12-2 to at one point, but rallied from there for a relatively easy win. What were your takeaways from the game? Well, what really stands out to me, Wes, is how this year's team is developing after 10 games. That, that really jumps out to me and how great a job the coaching staff is doing in developing the top seven to eight players in the rotation. So that's the biggest takeaway uh, from the game as I saw it. Of course, we know that it's been uh, talked about the recap that Syracuse fell behind early and then patiently pecked away to lead by double digits at halftime and maintained a, nearly a double-digit lead the entire second half with, with really crisp play, uh, great offensive movement with the ball, and a great defense to hold Georgetown in the end. And I think it's great that this series has been resumed, and I hope it continues because Syracuse has really got the non-conference schedule down pat. Just enough games where favored to beat an appoint, opponent by you know double digits games in which they're going to be really close and tough come right down to the wire and games where it gets away from them and kind of slides downhill and it turns into a one-sided defeat. And we've seen all of that so far in the 10 games. So the biggest takeaway I have, though, is when you look at what's going on on the court. And I took a look back to see the preseason all-ACC first and second teams. And, of course, there's no Syracuse players there. There's no Jesse Edwards there. And what a season he's had, capping off with a great performance against Georgetown last weekend. Number one in the ACC in rebounds, and just ahead of uh, Baycott of North Carolina, who was a first-team all-preseason ACC selection, leading the ACC in uh, rebounding, as I said, in block shots and in field goal percentage. He's just had a marvelous season, and what a development in his four years with the program. That really stands out to me, how the coaching staff has really worked with Jesse Edwards to get to be the player he is, certainly a a first-team all-conference performance so far in in the games. Then you take a look at the other starters. I mean, Judah Mintz is really progressing here after 10 games. So think about it, Wes. Where's he going to be after 20 games? I mean, he is number uh, 10 in the ACC in assists and fifth in steals. And his name also did not appear on any preseason all-ACC rookie teams. Joe Girard's season has kind of been a mix because he's in a different role. Going to have to work a lot harder to get him free for open shots because that's the strength of his game. Benny Williams has come on a little bit lately. He's still a work in progress, but you can see the development and the patience that the coaching staff has had in him. And the same goes with Chris Bell at the other forward spot. It's going to be a work in progress for those two players continuously. And again, let's see where they are after 20 games of the season. And then off the bench, really, John Bolajak, you know, his three years in the program, the learning and development to where he's come into a role now off the bench really stood out in the Georgetown game. And I, I only think that's going to get better as the season progresses. Getting a transfer center in HEMA, he's proved to be a serviceable backup 
to Jesse Edwards. I think his performances will get better as the season progresses. And then Samir Torrance has proven to be a more steady influence off the bench as a savvy veteran player that Jim Beheim trusts. And Justin Taylor, the other freshman, getting the majority of the playing time off the bench. He's still trying to fit in, but again, you can see the development that has been shown after 10 games. Brad, Syracuse has an opportunity to really pad their resume ahead of the Virginia game on January 7th. They have very winnable games against Monmouth, Cornell, Pitt, Boston College, and Louisville. It's conceivable that the Orange could be 11-4 and 4-0 and in the ACC by January 7th. What do you think of this particular stretch? The Monmouth game is going to be similar to Oakland in that it's you know, a team that Syracuse should get a lot of playing time for, you know, 10 guys, uh, which will really help the coaching staff in that development. Uh, direction. And then Cornell will be tough. You know, they always give uh, Syracuse a pretty tough game, but again, a perfect game to then be the leapfrog into all conference play. And as, as you, as you say, the, the schedule kind of shakes out favorably. I've I've said before the season uh, began, even that despite the road game at Notre Dame to open up ACC play in the meat of the conference schedule, Syracuse has its first two games at home and its final two games at home late in the year. So Pittsburgh, 7-4 and four at home, a game Syracuse should win. BC's 5-6, and six. home game, a game Syracuse should win. And then this is one of the uh, worst Louisville teams in, you know, almost forever in that program at 0-9, and, and that's a road game that Syracuse should win. So you're right, Wes, heading into that Saturday afternoon uh, showdown at Virginia on January 7th, Syracuse really should be 11 and 4 and 4 and 0 in the ACC with that big Notre Dame victory included and that's really getting off to a, a fast start which is really important for the rest of the conference play. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show your closing thoughts. I thought it was a terrific ceremony for the Ring of Honor at the Dome on Saturday at halftime of the Syracuse win over Georgetown West and I took away from that Jim Beheim's heartfelt sentiments to the crowd and you could kind of see it that he knows the final chapters are coming, whether that's this year, next year, or the year after. He can clearly see in, in, in plain sight that, you know, his career is coming to an end and the honor and emotion of that ceremony being recognized as the one singular person that has put Syracuse basketball on the map. And that being said, the, also honoring Dwayne Pearl Washington, I've always said this, Wes, and, you know, Jim Beheim talked about he was the most exciting player he ever had seen and, and coached, and that really was the case. I was there covering the team on a regular basis in Pearl Washington's three seasons, and he was just simply dynamic. He was the one player that really set the course for modern Syracuse basketball uh, from his first year in the dazzling performance in the Big East tournament and also against Georgetown in his second year, all the way up to the unfortunate ending to a guy named David Robinson and maybe in his final game in 1986 for a Syracuse career and then going to the NBA early. But what a great player and uh, really uh, signifies the one player, the boost to the program that got it to where it is in the glory years in the Dome, in the Big East, and now into the ACC. And one other thought on that, I think the next basketball player that should be honored in the, the ring of honor is, is Dave Bing. I think it's about time. He was the uh, player in the 60s that was the equivalent to Pearl Washington in the 80s. When Dave Bing came along, Syracuse was a losing program. 
It was the opening of Manly Fieldhouse in the early 60s. He led Syracuse to just one game shy of making the Final Four in 1966. And, of course, he's a Basketball Hall of Famer. So my selection for the next basketball orange player to be inducted into the Ring of Honor is Dave Bing. That would certainly be fitting. Brad, my closing thoughts are in a big recruiting weekend for the Syracuse football team. The Orange picked up two commitments on the offensive line from 2023 Pennsylvania high school star Vincent Carroll Jackson and Richmond graduate transfer Joe Moore. Carroll Jackson is a huge coup for the Orange, picking Syracuse over offers from Georgia, Florida, Colorado, and Rutgers, among others. And Moore started 37 games for the Spiders during his career there. The Orange needed help up front to keep Garrett Schrader upright in 2023, and these two prospects will certainly help him do just that. That's it for us with Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that the easiest time to add insult to injury is when you're signing someone's cast. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.